0: Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever-pleasing in your sight. You are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Sir, we want to see Jesus. Say the Greeks to Philip. The Gospel text takes me back to a rather fragile experience in my adolescence and teenage years. I'm thinking of prom night. Prom, otherwise known as an introvert's worst nightmare, was for me the most anxious and tensest of evenings. Not the entire evening. Dinner and the limo and pictures were were great. It was the dancing I couldn't stand. Ever since middle school, after I stepped on the toes of my date only to make her tear up and have to sit out for the night, I just didn't do the dance floor. Instead, I would just hang out at one of the tables off to the side and sip my Coke and eat the pretzels, as if it were what the really cool kids did. And this dance phobia was made all the worse, because, of course, all my friends just love to dance. My best friend, John, was always at the center of things, just dancing it up. It's like he was made for this kind of stuff. I'd lift my coke to him and let out a feigned smile. Of course, I never let on that I was afraid to dance. No, I wasn't afraid. I just always mysteriously developed a sprained ankle a few days before. Sorry, I don't dance. This image came to mind uh, this week as I thought about the Greeks who came to Jesus. I love these Greeks. I love the air of confidence I hear in their voice as they approach Jesus and the disciples. Sir, we want to see Jesus. Who are these Greeks anyway? I imagine them to be busy urbanites, people of culture and class, wearing the first century's version of tweed They were non-Jews of course, but perhaps they had heard of the Jesus movement from afar. The Greeks are busy people. Perhaps they're on their way to the theater and they just decided to stop off and see if they could talk with Jesus. They enter among the crowds outside the temple. There with all the hubbub and traffic of the Passover feast. It's surely dusty and crowded. There are animals all around. It's hot. They can't get to Jesus. But they do make it to one of his assistants, Philip. The next thing that we read is that Jesus begins to speak to the crowds and he begins to talk about his mission, his mission to go to his cross. He uses an image about a seed planted into the earth. And he says that unless a seed dies, it will never truly live. To cling to your life is to lose your life he says. I wonder how the Greeks heard that. Did they roll their eyes and step away in resignation? Were they intrigued by the message, thinking there may be just something to it? Though they would never admit it, I I wonder if they were frightened. I wonder if they lifted their cokes and secretly wished to dance. Because there at the center of the action is a man who is extending to them the strangest of invitations. An invitation not to inhabit a new idea. He isn't promoting a book or a diet or a policy. He is inviting them instead into the dance that Christians call death and resurrection. Jesus' message is indeed strange talk. If we hear these words as if for the first time, we can't help but be surprised by them. Here is someone telling us that if we want to live, we've got to die. There's a wonderful New Yorker cartoon depicting a clergy with a seemingly difficult decision at a crossroads. To the left, the clergy is offered heaven. To the right, the clergy is offered a conversation about heaven. (laughs) The clergy with the decision is clearly torn. So often, talking about God, talking about Jesus, takes the lead over the actual experience itself. It's as if the clergy says, "Uh, I'd rather not dance. Let's just talk about it. Sir, we want to see Jesus. And it's as if Jesus says to the Greeks, to see me, you've got to follow me all the way to the cross, to the doorstep of my own mortality, to the doorstep of your own mortality. This is what is so hard about this passage on my reading is that it raises the uncomfortable question of mortality. To see Jesus, you've got to see death. To become alive, you've got to die. You've got to learn the dance. This is a hard word. There's so much in our culture that would keep us averted from the conversations around mortality. We expend massive amounts of resources on health, and it works. We live longer now than at any other time in human history. Even with these expectations, though, death hovers around us and induces in us something of a fear of the unknown. None of us knows when we will die. And not to reckon with this fear of the unknown often just represses it and just prompts a a transference of this fear onto others, those who don't look like us, those people. We see this fear of death played out in story after story on the news. But death need not be so fearful. We know that we live in a process of death and life, like a seed planted into the earth, Jesus says. The truth is that we're all dying all the time, at least parts of us. You may have just lost a million cells while listening to that last sentence. (laughs) Supposedly, we lose about 100,000 cells per second. Just as many cells are being reproduced, and cells that don't die off in the normal cycle, apparently those are the troublemakers and are related to diseases like cancer. If they don't die, then we may not live. Now, I don't think Jesus is calling us to throw up our hands and just to seek out death. Far from it. I think he's calling us to the death of a certain part of us that wants to hold us back from life. Jesus came that we might have life. So why all this talk about death? It reminds me of a friend of mine who was a freshman at college and got got talking with another, another student in their dorm kitchen. The conversation got livelier and livelier, livelier as it turned out that they both had quite a bit to prove. They ended up trading insults. Eventually, the other student lost her temper and she, she picked up a loaf of bread and threw it at my friend. It missed him by like six feet. With a mocking sneer, my friend said, I see your aim is as inaccurate as your insults. She instantly responded, I was aiming at your ego. Nice. I think Jesus in this morning's gospel is aiming at our ego. This passage is a call to a death of ego, at those attitudes and fears and doubts that hold us back from life. The ego is tricky and takes clever forms. It can take the form of working too much or being resistant to change, or God forbid selling yourself short. The ego wants to keep us drinking Cokes on the sideline of life's dance. Sometimes I wonder if what we fear isn't death. If Jesus just called us to die, we'd know exactly what to do. Sometimes I wonder if what we fear is life, more life, abundant life. Jesus is aiming at the ego that holds creation back from life. And his summons is always to life. When I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me, all of creation, into the dance. Sir, we want to see Jesus. As you and I prepare to move forward into this week with Palm Sunday, and then Easter on the horizon, let's stop here outside the temple with the Greeks. See if you can put yourself out there among the dusty crowds, outside the temple that day, right there with the Greeks who want to see Jesus. Try to hear the sounds and noises all around you. Smell the animals, hear the chattering of the crowds, and lean in and strain as you try to make out the strange-sounding words offered by Jesus. Did he just say we've got to die to come to life? Maybe identify the uneasiness that you feel standing there in the crowd. There are people and things surrounding you that are keeping you from following Jesus with abandon and joy. They could be ideas, fears, convictions, an attitude even. So start here take a good look around and hear these strange words. I want to follow Jesus with conviction. I want my faith to really mean something, to change the way I move through the world. And wanting to be a follower so badly, I let Jesus' words in close. And we each ask ourselves, does something need to die in me in order for me to live? Am I ready to let go? Am I ready to dance?